Good morning, everybody. Our reading this morning is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15. Um, but we'll be using the New Living Bible translation this morning, so all the words will be on the screen. So 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 3. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Continuing from verse 12, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Picking up again verse 20. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies, because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And continuing from verse 30. And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? And if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. Continuing from verse 35. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it a new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Continuing again, verse 42. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. 
Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Continuing now from verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Right. Thanks so much, Steve, for reading that very long uh, reading, even though I've, I've cut it back. It wasn't the whole of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. So um, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Jessica Tennant. I'm one of the occasional preachers here. And today we're continuing our series on life and death in what happens to my body after death. I want to start off by introducing you to my parents. Weren't they sweet? Yeah, I never really knew my dad. When I was 18 months old, he went off to work as usual on his bike and never came back. He was killed by a lorry. So all my childhood, I was brought up with a, a knowledge that death could come un, un, unpredictably and tragically and terribly. My mum, on the other hand, her death was an absolute blessing and she took a long time to die. I watched her slowly deteriorate physically and mentally until she was just a pain-wracked shell. And I had to fight for her to be allowed to die naturally. A warning for you all who haven't got your lasting power of attorney set up yet, do it, or you'll be in the same position. And last week, remember Mark talked about how Jesus was outraged by death, how he was angered by it. And when we look at what happened to my parents, the sudden terrible incident and the slow decline, Phil, this isn't right, we should be outraged, this is not how life should be. Like Dylan Thomas, we say, do not go gentle into the good night, rage, rage at the dying of the light. And when we look at the combination of human evil and the frailty of the human body. And we see what's happening in Ukraine, in Israel, in Gaza, in Sudan, 
we get even more outraged. This is not the way life is meant to be. But we all do die. And what happens after death? And there are various views, aren't there? There's the people who believe that's it. We've got one life and it's over. And in Jesus' time, the group that believed that were the Sadducees. Some people believe in reincarnation. We just come back born as in, into a new life. Maybe it's a human being, maybe not. This wasn't a prevalent view in the Bible or in Jesus' time at all. Or then there's the disembodied spirit thing, where we just come back, body's gone, just sort of something immaterial floating. If it comes on earth, then it's a ghost. And the disciples knew all about ghosts. When they first saw Jesus, they thought he was a ghost. Or there's the disembodied spirit somewhere else. Now the Greeks believed that all matter was evil and that the aim of death was to get away from matter. I don't know quite what you did if you were a disembodied spirit. And then there's the idea we maybe were disembodied spirits in heaven. Then there's the idea of a kind of life stream where we just all become one with the universe or one with the universal mind. And that was something else that the Greeks believed. And then there's the standard thing about um, us turning into angels and sitting on clouds looking down at our loved ones on earth. But what does the Bible actually say? As Christians, we can get tied up with the idea that faith is about going to heaven when we die and sharing the gospel is about going to heaven when we die. But in fact, the truth is so much richer, complex and more beautiful than that. And Paul's issue with the Corinthians was that some of them didn't believe in the physical resurrection of the body. They probably weren't like the Sadducees, believing nothing happened. They were probably like the Greeks. They believed that all matter would be destroyed and we'd float around forever or we'd become part of this universal um, mind. But that for Paul, the actual physical resurrection of the body was vital to his faith. So let's go through his argument. I'm doing it in a slightly different order. So death, he says, came into the world through a man, which seems a bit sexist because obviously it was Eve who ate the apple first. But anyway, he lived in a patriarchy. Whether we believe this to be a true story or a metaphor, the fact is that at some point in the history, human beings stopped following God and started going their own way. And when they did that, sin and evil came into the world. And God, to cut out the length of our sin and evil, brought in death. We could no longer live forever, but we would die so that our evil would be limited. But this is what Paul felt was most important. We die because we're sinners, but Jesus died on the cross in our place so that just as death came into the world through a man, now resurrection from the dead has begun 
through another man. And then what's equally important to Paul is that Jesus physically rose from the dead. It wasn't a lie or a con because the disciples thought it would be a good idea to spin it so that they could carry Jesus' teaching into the world. It wasn't a mass delusion. It wasn't even a spiritual thing where, yeah, Jesus was still in the tomb, but somehow his spirit had risen. No, Jesus physically rose from the dead. We haven't got time to go into the proof now. But in Paul's day, it was easy because there were... 500 people who'd seen Jesus risen from the dead, most of whom were still alive. And you could actually go and talk to them and they could tell you what had happened. And Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't a one-off. Because even though we all died because we belong to Adam, everyone who, will be given, who belongs to Christ will be given new life. It says, Christ was raised as the first of a harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Now, the idea of the first fruits is a very um, Jewish idea. Um, farmers used to give the first fruits of their crops to God, and this was thanks for the harvest that was going to follow. Jesus is the first fruit. And then there's this wonderful thing. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet is sound, those who died will be raised to life forever. And those, of, those who are still living will be transformed into immortal bodies. As individualists, we tend to see going to heaven when I die, getting a new body when I die. But it's not like that. This is the whole of creation utterly transformed into what God wanted it to be in the first place. There'll be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. Everything will be recreated and restored and good and beautiful. And we will live on this new earth in our resurrection bodies in the presence of God. The physical world matters to God. It's not like the Greeks said that the physical world isn't evil and something we want to get rid of. The physical world matters. Remember when God created the world, he said it, it was good. And then at the end he said it was very good. And this new creation will be very good. Which leaves the question of if we get our new bodies when Jesus comes back, what happens in the meantime? And there are kind of two views on this, and you can take your pick, because I, I think uh, one's better than the other, but they're both um, widely accepted. One is that we just go to sleep, and then we wake up when Jesus comes back, and there are references in the New Testament to death as a sleep. The other one is that we go to be with Jesus while we wait for the end of time. And I think that the best verse for this is when Jesus spoke to the thief on the cross and he said, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So I think probably what happens is when we die, we go straight to heaven to be with Jesus and to do whatever you do in heaven. Um, and then we'll come back. So let's look a bit about the bodies 
Now, the thing is that Paul was describing the indescribable, and I don't think he really knew what he was describing either, or if he did, he didn't have words for it. What can he say? Our bodies will be buried in brokenness and raised in glory. When I think about that pain-wracked shell that was my mother in the months before she died, just to think that she will be raised in glory, that, that the full beauty of her personality will be in a, a lovely new human body that lasts forever. How wonderful is that? Buried in weakness, raised in strength. Human bodies are so fragile and yet these new bodies won't be but not just physically fragile but spiritually spiritually fragile we try so hard to do the right thing don't we but so often we mess up but we'll be raised in strength we will not mess up anymore everything we do will be right and good buried as natural human bodies raised as spiritual bodies what does that mean haven't a clue Mortal bodies transformed into immortal. Remember, we die to limit the power of our sin and evil. But there will be no sin and evil in heaven, so we will live forever. So that's all very metaphysical. So let's put it into a sort of context. Think Jesus' resurrection body. Now remember, when Jesus came back, he wasn't quite the same. At first, people didn't recognise him. And then they said, oh yes, that is definitely Jesus. He could appear in locked rooms and then disappear just as soon. On the other hand, he was solid. He wasn't a ghost. Thomas could put his hands into the nail marks, into the spear mark. And then he could cook fish and eat it. Good news. When we get our new bodies, we will eat yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens when we die? Now, I'm actually doing a talk on this at the end of November. I'm down for it, so um, we'll find more about it then. But think less about sitting on a cloud with a harp and much more about the Garden of Eden. Remember what the Garden of Eden was like? Adam and Eve living in perfect harmony doing work that gave them great joy and pleasure in the presence of God. I think that's what we're aiming for. But also, God cares about the physical. He cares about this world. And what does the Lord's Prayer tell us? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are building God's kingdom on earth, so we need to be practicing for our eternal life on the new earth. And I think Christians have been too tied up with what happens in, after you die and not enough in the, this physical world. And we haven't cared enough about our environment, our own bodies, and that, it, that really matters. So when we're building God's kingdom on earth, it's not just about telling people, this is how you go to heaven when you die, saying this is how you bring God's presence in. You care for the world, you care for your body, you care for other people, you care for the poor, you care for the oppressed. So, to sum up, take home message. Vessel, Jesus definitely rose from the dead in a physical body. 
Secondly, we will be raised on the last day to live forever in the presence of God on a new perfect earth. Next, God cares about the physical world. Next, we should be inspired by what will happen in the future so that we can build God's kingdom here on earth. And lastly, and don't ask me why it comes at the top rather than the bottom, Jesus died to destroy the power of death and evil. So we can say, this world is not the way it's supposed to be. Death is an affront. Death is horrible. But death is defeated, and one day the world will be as it should be. We're now going to respond to that. Um, so what we've got is, as usual, we will have um, the prayer team at the back. And we've got something uh, for the prayer team to pray over you if you want to be. And it's, um, it's Romans 15, verse 3. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So those who are concerned about death, about what happens afterwards, about how to share that hope with other people, do come for prayer. So if um, the usual sort of suspects want to stand at the back and uh, I'll pass out the prayer to you and then we can, we can start the response time.